And we're going to come round to God's Word together this morning. So let's pray together as people come back in and find their seats. And let's pray that we'll hear from God this morning as we open up some Scripture together. Father God, I want to thank you and praise you for what we've witnessed already today. But we thank you, Lord, that it's not over yet. And we pray, Lord God, that as we open up your words right now, as we think about some of these themes in Scripture that we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks, that, Lord God, we'll hear you speak to us this morning, that you'll encourage us, you'll edify us, you'll spur us on to live a life that you're calling us to live, that we might be people who live lives of worship, not just here on a Sunday, but every single day of our life. Will you have your way in our lives, King Jesus? In your holy name we pray. Well, if you've been with us these past four weeks, you'll know that we've been looking together at the subject of worship on a Sunday morning. This is the final instalment of our series together today. And over the past four weeks, we've essentially looked together at four different postures of worship. We've spoken about the fact that in worship, we are called to be people who lift our hands towards God. Because when we do, it moves the Father heart of God. That It's an offering of praise. It's a declaration of battle. It's a sign of victory and it's a sign of surrender talk together about the fact that worship is about bringing our gifts to God because quite simply love gives. Last week if you were with us you will know that we talked about this idea of bringing our complaint to God that worship is not something that we simply do with our mouths or our minds but it's something that we do with our soul as well. So we're called to bring our complaint to God to pour out our hearts to God as an act of worship. We spoke about the fact together that God has broad shoulders And that we should remember the faithfulness that we've seen in the past when we find ourselves in the pit of despair. Place our hope in him and trust in the God who has the future in his hands. Today, as we land this series together, I want to look at what the Bible teaches us about bowing our knee to God as an act of surrender and an act of worship. And one of the stories that we've used over the past few weeks together to help us really grasp this whole idea of worship is the story of the nativity, in particular, when the wise men came to Jesus as a baby. So let's look again this morning at just a couple of verses from that particular scripture. We read this in Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down They worshipped him. Then they opened the treasure and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So when these wise men, when they came to Jesus and they found Jesus, they were overjoyed. Why? Because centuries of waiting and wondering and hoping and praying and waiting some more for a promise to be fulfilled have finally come to pass in the birth of the Savior and come along Jesus Christ. And what do they do? When they see Jesus, they bow down and they worship him. It's an interesting picture, really, when we think about it, because when we think about that nativity scene, what we think about when we think about it is that these wise men turn up pretty much straight away after the birth of Jesus, and they turn up at his crib, and he's a little baby there, and they bow down and they worship him. But that is not actually the case at all. You see, As we spoke about, these wise men, they took a journey which took them about 900 miles. In today's standards, that is a pretty long journey. 
But you go back to this time, that journey would have taken absolutely ages. So in fact, when the wise men, they turn up at the birthplace of Jesus, Jesus is probably about two years old. And when we think about it in those terms, it begins to change the dynamics of the story, doesn't it? I'm sure the vast majority of people in here have met a two-year-old. Maybe you've had a two-year-old, maybe you've looked after someone else's two-year-old at some point, but two-year-olds, they're unruly creatures. They think they own the place, they're developing their personalities. They don't listen, they steal things, they're so unruly, and they can have temper tantrums. And here, we have a picture of these wise men bowing down to a two-year-old, saying, I worship you. There's something really subversive about that picture there, isn't there? Because these wise men could have wanted to be worshipped themselves. They could have wanted people to bow down to them and say, do you not know who we are? Do you not know where we've come from? Do you not know how important we are? And yet, the picture that we see here is these wise men bowing down to a toddler. That picture in our minds... Today, about why down before God in worship. See, too often, if we're being totally honest, we want to be the one who is in control of our lives, and as a result, we barely bow the knee to anyone, do we? Men generally bow the knee for two reasons in their life: one, to propose; two they'll bow the knee in their football picture at the beginning of a season to look like they know what they're doing. They're the two reasons that really men bow down. Bowing down is not something we really do in our culture. Yet what we see in Scripture is that this is a posture which happens over and over again. People kneeling before God in submission to a holy God. We read these words together in Psalm 95, verses 6 and 7. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, his care. There's an interesting word in Hebrew, which is translated in our Bible as worship. It's the word shakar, which is used 170 times throughout Scripture. It's a word which means to bow low, to kneel down before God in worship. It doesn't simply mean to sing songs or to worship, but it means to take up this posture of kneeling. So 170 times in Scripture, we are called to kneel before God in worship. Perhaps one of the reasons that we don't do this is simply don't grasp the holiness of God. If we truly understood who God is, then it would be natural to bow down low and to worship him. You see, this God that we're talking about here today, this God that these people have professed faith in here in this pool today, the Bible describes as our friend. The Bible describes him as one who is closer than a brother. But here is the thing. He is also so holy that you cannot look upon him and live. If we were to look into the Old Testament, we'd see a man named Moses. Moses described in the Bible as a friend of God's. And he was the one who led the people out of slavery in Egypt to the promised land eventually when Joshua took over and led those people there. But Moses wanted for himself to see the glory of God. So he asked God, can I see your glory? And God said to Moses, you can't handle my full glory. I'll pass by you 
but you've got to cover your face. You can only see my tail when it goes by because you cannot look upon my face and live. You see, so holy is this God that we're talking about today that us mortal human beings cannot look upon him and even live. And suddenly, when we begin to understand that about who he is, that this God is the one who created the world with simply a word. This is the God who put everything into being. Suddenly, when we begin to understand how all-powerful he is and all-knowing he is, suddenly kneeling before him seems like the Scripture, does God command us to bow down? It's almost as if he assumes that because of who he is and what he has done for us, this is a natural response for us. He says, bow down and worship me. The only thing we see in Scripture is he says, don't bow down to anyone else. My question for you this morning, as we think about God together, is have you caught a Bow the knee to him. This morning, I want to give three very brief reasons why bowing the knee to Jesus is an act of worship and why we should do it. And to help us this morning, I want to pick another story from Scripture. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 17. And this is what it says. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you should not defraud, honour your father and mother, he declared. All these things I've done since I was a boy, Jesus. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. If you've been around church for any length of time, you'll know this story, I'm sure. But the first thing that I want to see, as we talk about kneeling in worship, First thing that I want us to see is that we are called to kneel before God. You may, like me, have heard this story countless times in your life. But if you're anything like me, perhaps you've missed the vital point of this story. This rich man had everything, materially speaking, that anyone could possibly want. But he comes to Jesus, and what's the first thing that he does? He falls on his knees. He is desperate. He has everything that people want, and yet he recognizes that he is still missing something from his life. And maybe today that's you. Maybe that's where you find yourself right now. You're not a committed follower of God, and you know it. You may believe in God, but is he the pursuit of your heart? You're not fully devoted to following him. You know, if you're honest, life feels a little bit off as a result. God feels distant. Maybe you found yourself wandering away from God. You know, pursuit of God begins again. Maybe you're here today and you don't actually know what you believe. The rich man... Despite having everything, he knew that something was missing from his life. Life was fairly comfortable, and maybe 
maybe you don't do like that. There is something missing from your life. I want to encourage of the people that have got baptized have done. And I want to encourage you today to pray a prayer to him and say simply this, God, if you are really something like that, get ready. Because the Bible tells us But for others here today, maybe pursuit is not the reason you need to kneel before God. Another reason we see that we should kneel before God in the Bible is that we should kneel before God in repentance. It's a key reason. There's a story in the book of Luke, chapter 5, where there's this fisherman named Peter. Peter went out fishing one night. He was fishing all night long. And as he was fishing, he caught nothing. And after a hard night's grasp, he, graft, he came back, washed his nets, and was ready to go home and go to sleep. And then all of a sudden, this man Jesus turns up and he says, Hey, Peter, I've got this really good idea. Let's go fishing. So Peter says, All right, I don't really want to. I've been fishing all night, but if you say so, let's go. And Jesus takes him fishing, tells him where to put the nets down. And suddenly his nets are full with overflowing fish everywhere. He is overwhelmed by what he sees happening in front of him. He doesn't turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, thank you for the fish. So kind of you to show me how to do this. Please give me more fish, Jesus. No, this is what he does. Luke chapter 5 and verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. You see, in that moment, Peter realizes who Jesus is and he catches a glimpse of who he is and he realizes that he hasn't lived a life which he should have lived. He realizes that he's made a lot of mistakes, that he has got things wrong, that he has lived in a sinful way. And maybe, if you're honest, that's you today. Maybe, if you're honest, you know that there are things in your life which you are ashamed of, that there are things in your life which have been wrong, there are things in your life which you have done which you wish you never had. But here's the great thing today. Jesus never turns away a repentant heart. Never. Do you know, every wedding that I have had the privilege of leading, there's always been one person that has come up to me and said exactly the same thing every time. It's usually a relative of the bride or groom that are getting married who never normally goes to a church. They'll come up bold as brass and they'll say, I'm surprised I haven't caught fire walking into a place like this. Do you know what? You might have felt like that coming here today. You might be here today and thinking to yourself, well, I've got to go because I've agreed to uh, encourage one of the people that are getting baptised, but it's really the last place that I want to be because I know there's been things in my life which are just wrong, and God would never, ever accept me, would he? I want to tell you today, no matter how bad you've been, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter how bad the wrongs that you have committed have been, you belong in the presence of God. Peter knew that he had messed up in his life. Peter knew that he had got things wrong. And when he met Jesus, he knelt before Jesus. And maybe there are some here today, you need to do exactly that. You need to come before him, bring all of your mess, all of your junk, all of your hurt, heartaches and hang-ups, and give them to him. And here is the amazing thing. We read this in Scripture, 1 John 1 verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. Another version puts it like this. 
if we admit our sins, simply come clean about them, he won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. He'll forgive us our sins and purge us of any Clear up your mess and my mess. So we kneel before God in pursuit when we want to get closer to him. We might kneel before him in repentance, recognizing that we've all done things wrong, thought things wrong, and said things wrong. The third thing that we see in Scripture is that we kneel before him in surrender. And what I find utterly astonishing about this is that it's exactly what Jesus did. You know, the very reason that Jesus came to earth was to die. Jesus never sinned, and he knew that coming to earth, he would take on the agony of our sin, that he would pay the price for everything that we've ever done wrong. And in doing so, the Father would turn his face away from him when he hung on a cross. Jesus understood what was going to happen. Jesus understood what he was going to face and in a garden called the garden of gethsemane the night before what does he do we read this in luke that he withdrew to a lonely place and he said father if you are willing take this cup from me but not my will be done but your will be done from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him knelt and prayed surrender and maybe have you ever looked at a person i wonder someone who professes to be a christian someone who professes to follow jesus and thought to themselves i know the things and the rubbish that they've had to face and the hurt and the heartache they've had to go through how do they have the strength to stand in the midst of everything that they have gone through let me tell you, often it's the way of on their knees, recognizing God is not my will, recognizing that the Bible tells us that He holds everything in His hand and promises to bring together for good those who, who love Him. In kneeling and trusting that God has our best interests at heart, not relying on our own wisdom. I don't know about you, let's face it, when I've relied on my own wisdom, it hasn't gone very well. But maybe that's you today. Maybe you're going through the mill at the moment. Maybe life is hard and tough and rough and you just don't know how to do it. But here's the thing. When we're talking about kneeling before God's, Choose to kneel now, or we will kneel later. You can kneel today in pursuit of him, in repentance, in submission, and in worship. Or one day, when it's not your choice, you can kneel before him. We read these words in Philippians 2, 9-11. Being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And gave him the knee, name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth 
and under the earth, and every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of never asks us to bow before him because he knows it's a reasonable response to bow down and to worship. And today, let me tell you, friends, God offers you a hand of friendship, a hand of transformation, a fresh start and a clean slate. In a moment, Zoe will come and lead our response time together. But this morning, I want to give you an opportunity right now to say yes to the hand of Jesus and to follow. Ask people in the room, if you're uh, in the room right now, just to close your eyes. This morning, if you're here and you know that actually God is not looking you, also look at your life and realize that there's something missing in your life. If there are things in your life right now that you know you have a wanted need, there are things in your life going on right now that you know you need Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask everyone to pray this prayer with me this morning. There are going to be maybe th- three groups as a result. Maybe you have never said yes to following Jesus yourself. The second group, maybe you know that you have said yes to following Jesus at some point, but he's not the complete one. This morning to pray, maybe for the first time. Pray line by line. I'd love you to repeat this this morning. Let's pray together. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you died on the cross, Jesus. All of my wrongs, all of my sins, thank you, Lord, you give me a clean slate, fresh heart, to my life, May I know you more. And if you prayed that prayer and you're in those two first two groups that I said this morning, if you prayed that prayer and you prayed that for the first time, asking Jesus to come into your life, you're saying, I know I haven't been living for Jesus. Why you just to raise your hand while everyone's eyes are closed? I think we can look out and just uh, make a note of that. We'd love to give you just a little book this morning. It's great to see this morning. I would love just to give you a little book this morning just to say this is what it means and this is what it means to follow Jesus. And we'd love to help you. Yeah, that's, that's great. Just keep those, just for like 10 more seconds, just keep those hands just so we can have an idea. Father God, I want to thank you in this place for new life this morning. I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to thank you, Lord, that as we've celebrated baptism, Lord God, we can know that you are the King of kings. This morning, we want to worship you in response.